uh, it's good to see all of you today. And as we've been doing for several weeks now, um, complimenting Bible study, the study of Tozer's book, The Knowledge of the Holy, who is God? What is He like? What does He do for us? And so today, I again want to uh, compliment that study and talk to you about the God who is in His faithful provision, the God who provides a way of escape for us in temptation. Interesting, isn't it? Do you always take it? We have temptation. We have had temptation. We have it, and we will always have it. And it's interesting that there are times, and I know it's true in your life and it's true in mine, that you overcome it. And then there are times when you don't overcome it and you fail, which leads me to conclude that we don't always have to succumb to temptation. We can prevail. But the message here in the Scripture is very, very, very important when God says to us, I will faithfully provide for you a way of escape. There is an exit door. It has a sign, exit. And what you and I have to do is to, is to find it. So today I want to talk about that, and I, I've got some sheets near you, and I hope you can grab one. And I'm going to be reading these scriptures, but I think if you have one close to you, it will help reinforce some of the things that the scripture is saying, some of the things that I want to share with you. That scripture, again, is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, notice what it says when temptation seizes you. Now, when something is, seizes you, that, that's very powerful. And that's what temptation is. It is a very powerful force. And when it seizes us, it says that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, ah, here's the provision. He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I looked at that verse years ago, and I thought to myself, that sounds very general. I would like some specifics about what it is that God provides. Where is the exit? How do I find it? How do I know it? And you need to do that too. It's very good to read in the Scripture, He provides a way out. Well, tell me more so that I can find it. And so I hope today as we look at these scriptures and do this study that you and I will understand more about how temptation works or can work. And I hope it will be meaningful for your life, but also I hope it, uh, if you have children, I want you to teach this to your children so that they understand the mechanics, the chemistry, the dynamics of temptation as well. There are a couple of things that I want to clarify at the very beginning. One of them is that the word that is translated here in the Greek is basically a neutral word. You can translate it temptation. You can translate it tempt. You can translate it test. And actually, you could read that, those two meanings into 1 Corinthians 10.13. There are times when you and I are tested to prove who we are. There are times when we're tempted, and that leads to wrong. You know which way it is by looking at the context, and you know which way to translate it depending on our response. Is it a test or was it a temptation? 
And a classic case there is Jesus. Jesus, you know, is baptized, and then he goes into the wilderness, and he is tempted there of Satan, and he is induced to misuse his power. He is induced by Satan to give allegiance to him. But it was a temptation. It was a test. But he did not succumb to the temptation. He stood up to the test, and he proved the righteousness of the Son. So you see the difference there in the meanings and that it's a neutral word. His response was that he took the way out, and he stood up to it. Another thing that I want to share with you is that temptation, as the Scripture says here, is common to man, or as we might say, common to the human experience. I want you to understand that circumstances change. Aspects of temptation change. Categories are the same. When you look at the categories, there may be different colors of temptation in the category. There might be different kinds of temptation in the category. But when, when you look at the categories, the Scripture is true. It is common to all of us. For instance, as an example, get into the physical aspects of temptation. There are some people who have uh, great temptation when it comes to alcohol. You know that. There are some who may have great temptation when it comes to drugs. But there may be somebody who has nothing to do with drugs or, or alcohol, and they have great temptation with food. Their issue is that. Or maybe the issue is a website that has gripped their lives and is working to destroy them. All of that is in the same category. It's in the physical. It's in the appetite. It's in the body aspects. But they're all different. Temptation is common to man. But I want you to understand, and I think this, this helped me, and I hope it helps you, to understand that, that temptation targets Temptation is extreme. When it says sees, it knows what it's doing. It targets parts of our being. And there's a verse there that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians, and he said, may God himself sanctify you through and through. That's the point of the verse. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is basically saying there is that there is a material and, and an immaterial part of us. There's, there's theological debate about are there two parts, are there three parts, but here it does say soul, spirit, and body, and I want to work with those today because I want to show you how different temptations target those particular parts of our being. There is a force that comes against them. And because it's a force that comes against them, it's very successful many times. So look at Ephesians 2 and verses 1 through 3 with me. This is the critical verse. And I've underlined some portions in there for you, and I want you to understand that these are the forces. I'll point the three forces out to you. And then we will see how they target the parts of our being. 
When Paul said, you have a spirit, that's the part of us that relates to God. You know that. Does your cat have that? Does your dog? Do you see your cat praying? Do you see your dog having devotions? Paul said, we also have soul. That's the personality. That's the, the thinking. This is how we relate to the world around us. Spirit, we relate to God. Soul, we relate to the world around us. But he said, we're also made up of the body. And when you come to the body, that is the, ap- the matter of appetites and desires that are built into us. All right, with that in mind, look at the Ephesians passage and notice what Paul says to us here as he wrote that church. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins. He didn't say you came to Christ and received salvation. He said you were dead. And when you came to Christ, you were made alive in him. You were absolutely spiritually dead in sins and transgressions in which you used to live when you followed Ah, here is the first force, the ways of the world. You know anything about that? That's a force that is operating. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, another force, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. That's the lust of the flesh. That's the third force. And following its desires and its thoughts. So here you have these three forces that are working against the spirit, the soul, and the body. And they are very effective. That's why it is so important to understand the escape and to know that God is faithful in giving us an escape. The ways of the world <clears throat> target the soul. Targets my thinking. It wants me to adopt the value system of the world. It says to me, money is the way to succeed. Success is power. The way to act is to be egotistical. My security is in my money and in my assets. I am sufficient in myself. I am a self-made man. I don't need anybody else. That's what it says to you. That's the thinking. That's the philosophy. That's the approach. The ways of the world target the soul. But the other force that is here, the ruler of the kingdom, the air, the devil targets our spirit. He targets what is relating to God. And so what he wants you to do is to doubt the goodness of God. You ever, have you ever done that? Guess who brought that on? Isn't that what happened in Genesis? Did God say, does God really work for your best? He wants you to doubt his love. He wants you to doubt that taking his way is best. Have you ever been in church when the preachers preached on giving? 
I've seen, I've seen it. You start preaching on giving, and they just freeze in the chair. They won't look at you. They won't look here. They won't look there. They won't do anything. They just go crazy. There is a fear about giving as God wants you to give. Why is that? There is a force that's coming against you. This is the part that relates to God because it's, it's talking about obedience. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you've got this fear. Or let's suppose that God says to you, I want you to do so and so. You actually fear doing the will of God. Have you ever been in a situation where you actually were afraid to do what God wanted you to do? When I was in seminary, we always had every year a... a a missions conference. I honestly went to the missions conference in fear and trembling. I said, God, if you call me to Africa, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I know if you call me to Africa, Brenda won't go with me. <laughs> so what are we going to do? There is this fear put there. Or you get into a low moment in your life or you get into difficulty and you actually sit there and you entertain thoughts like, God doesn't love me anymore. God is unfair. Where's that coming from? The Bible says here that there is a force at work. It's called the, spirit, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and he is attacking the part of you that relates to God. But then it concludes with the third force. The sinful nature. I wonder what part that targets. It targets the body. It perverts the good desires that God builds into us. Do you think sexual desire is wrong? No. But when it jumps the boundaries of what God has set, that's when it's perverted. And that is the temptation. So there are three forces, and as Paul said, and we're using those uh, breakups today, there are three parts of us, and every force is targeting one of the parts of our being. Very, very, very powerfully. And I, I also believe, having lived uh, the number of years that I've lived, that we're susceptible to all of these, but I think there are times and seasons when some of them are more prominent, more prevalent, and more powerful. I think there are seasons of life when you're going to deal with one of these a little more than you're going to deal with the others. I'll give you an example. If you're 17 and you're male, you're going to be more interested in the girl sitting near you in school than the 7,000-square-foot house, just the way it is. Ah, but when you get the 35 to 55, and you start listening to the ways of the world, and you start listening and looking, and you see other people following the ways of the world, that's when you get interested in the 7,000-square-foot house. That's when you begin to entertain the thinking of success and all of the power that goes with it. When you get to 70s and your 80s, don't worry about the sexual temptation as much. I think you've even learned to forget about the 7,000-square-foot house. You probably have already downsized. 
But you know what happens then? The ruler of the, of the air, he says to you, God can't take care of you in your retirement, and he will scare you to death. I think there are times when we put up with one of these temptations a little more than we put up with it in other times. And if I had an hour to talk to different groups, this is a mixed group and it's wonderful. But if I went up to the youth department in a church and there are all of these young people there, you know where I would spend my time? And if tomorrow morning I were doing a devotional at the Bank of America boardroom, you know where I would spend my time? And if later in the afternoon I went out to the home where many people have to go for assisted living, and I spoke on temptation, believe it or not, do you know where I would spend my time? Sharing with those people the thoughts that were coming against them from the spirit, from the ruler of the air, and their questioning of God, and their doubting of him. All right, you ready for the way of escape? <clears throat> Let's do it. This is the fun part. This is the part I want you to remember. This is the part that I want you to use. This is the equipment that you put in your pocket, and you pull it out and read it and go, ah, this is what I do now. This is what you teach to your children. There is the force, according to Ephesians chapter 2, the first force is the way of the world. you remember the way of the world? It targets your soul. It begins to feed you this mess of success and how to live that is contrary to the ways of God. Well, notice 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Ah, this is what overcomes the way of the world. What is it? Our faith. What is he talking about there in that passage of Scripture? You, you escape the temptation that comes against you, the way of the world. You escape it by your faith. And the faith there means the confession of faith. The confession of your faith that brings you into the kingdom of God. When I confess my faith and I said, Jesus, Lord Jesus, I know that you're the Savior of the world and my life, and I accept you as my Savior, and I thank you for the forgiveness that you've given me, and I know that you one day are going to come after me, but you're the risen Christ. You have been raised from the, from the grave. When I confess my faith, I came into a kingdom and when I got into the kingdom, I got the opportunity to begin to learn kingdom ways. And I began to learn kingdom truth. And that's when you look at the world and its philosophy and say, that's not right. Ha, huh, that's contrary to what God teaches. That's contrary to what God says. And the Bible says, I begin to transform my mind in this kingdom. And as a result of that, I say, oh no, the philosophy of the world is, is wrong. God has called me to be a servant. God has called me to be humble. God says to me that success is obeying and following him. 
God says to me that pleasure is not in sin. Pleasure is in obedience to him. And your mind is transformed. And so when you get into this situation where you hear all of these people saying things, all this stuff about the ways of the world, and you see it operating in front of you, pull out the card that says, my faith. I'm in the kingdom. This is what the kingdom teaches me. This is how I approach this temptation. That is absolutely false. And I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm not going to get run over by corporate America. I'm going to be a child of God, and I'm going to be a father and a mother to my children and be the leader in that house. Ah, the spirit. The spirit that relates to God and who comes against that? Scripture says here, the rule of the kingdom, the air. Look at James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist. Who is the one coming against you? You know him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Ah. The thing to do is to say you're a deceiver and you're a liar and tell him the truth and take him on. <laughs> I like what Jesus did in the temptation, don't you? Here comes Satan. He's trying to induce him. He is dealing with the part of him that relates to his father. And Jesus said, it is written. Let me get you straight on this. It is written. And then here comes the second temptation. And he said, it is also written. Let me get you straight on this. And then the third time he said, flee from me, Satan. It is written, you worship the God and only him. Ah, I like that resistance, don't you? And that's exactly what we're to do. When, when, the, when the devil comes to you and says, you're not forgiven, and you feel guilty in your sin, and you feel about that high, and he's beating you to a pulp, you say, I beg your pardon. That is not the lesson of the cross. The cross said that he loves me more than I can ever imagine. Forgiven? Oh, I'm forgiven, all right. Absolutely forgiven. And he asked, in addition, said to me, and if you confess your sin, I'll continue to forgive you. Meet my needs? Oh, he'll meet my needs. He's promised that. And he also promised that he would never leave me he would never forsake me. You see what you do when you get assaulted in the spirit. The Bible says in James, you resist him. Last one. The physical, the flesh. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What do you do when you're assaulted in your soul, the ways of the world? The Bible said, go to faith. Go to your understanding of the kingdom ways. What do you do when you're assaulted in your spirit, the part that relates to God? 
you resist the one coming against you, the devil. What do you do when the temptation targets your physical, the flesh? You put on your Nikes, your Adidas's, or whatever you wear, and you run. That tells us how powerful that temptation is. We think we're strong enough to sit there and think about it a while. No, 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 you aren't. David sat on the porch with his binoculars, and Joseph fled, leaving his coat. Which one escaped the temptation? Scripture's right. The way of escape is flight. Here's an easy way to remember it. Faith, fight, flight. I'm telling you, you're going to have temptations going to come and grab you, seize you, seize you by the throat in three areas. And it's going to be these forces that come. And the Bible gives the way for victory when those forces come. Use them. And teach your children about this. God's responsibility is to give the way out. Our responsibility is to take it. And when you leave this room today, and you may have temptation even in here, but when you leave this room today, I guarantee you temptation is going to be there. How are you going to deal with it? Are you going to use your faith? Are you going to fight? Are you going to flee? Use all of those weapons against it. And sitting right here this morning, there may be an attack on your spirit as you have a part of you that relates to God. What does God want you to do today? What decision that does he want you to make right now? And the devil is saying to you, no, you need to wait. And the last thing you need to do is tell anybody about that and have them pray over you for that because that's embarrassing. You resist him. And you do what God tells you to do before you leave today in this place and make sure God has obedience from his people as a result of worship. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that the scripture continues to teach us and, and when, we, when we hear that you give a faithful way out, we want to know what it is and thank you that you put it in the word. In your grace, you've provided. Now may we hear the word of God and may we apply it to our lives, and may we use it. And in temptation that is prevalent and is going to continue in our lives, may we look for the exit sign. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.